Broadcasting across the galaxy, you're listening to Radio Dakar, a Star Wars podcast dedicated to the animated series Star Wars Resistance. Alright, hello everyone, and welcome to the latest edition of Radio Dakar. I'm your host, Doug Brooks, and we've made it. This is the review for the Season 1 finale of Star Wars Resistance. Uh, It's hard to believe, after less than a year of hype about the show, and just six months of uh, episodes, we're at the, the end of the season. Thankfully not the end of the series, as there is Season 2 coming, uh, but today is all about No Escape Part 2, and some speculation on Season 2 based on what we know so far, but I will get to that. Uh, before I get into the review, uh, just a uh, few programming notes. Uh, there will be a full season review uh, coming up uh, the week after this episode airs. Uh, I will be rejoined by Jonah Marie Macias, who uh, was gracious enough to join me for the mid-season review. And we'll do another uh, broad topic format. Won't be episode-by-episode review or anything like that. We'll just uh, sit and talk about uh, just the various things we liked from the season, what our hopes are for season two. Um, Just a bunch of fun stuff. I actually am hoping for some listener participation on that episode. Uh, It was something I was thinking of uh, my own choice about it, but I would love to hear what everybody else thinks. So if you could uh, tweet to me or uh, just send me in some way your favorite line from Season 1 of Resistance. It doesn't have to be the most prolific line or the most important, just one line that you thought defined the season to you, uh, defined a character, maybe just one you found humorous or ironic, uh, just whatever. I will um, post this uh, to my Twitter feed. I might come up with a a hashtag, um, but you know, kind of like how they do on Star Wars show. Um, Yeah, I would just love to hear what's your favorite line from season one, and Jonah Marie and I will read those on the season review. Uh, as far as other shows uh, that I plan to do, because you know I'll have plenty of time before October when season two starts and when The Mandalorian starts, I plan to do plenty of Star Wars Celebration wrap-up. I'll do my, my original intent was to, to just do a massive um, celebration review, but there's going to be so many great panels regarding stuff that I. I'm going to be talking about. So, there will be a uh, wrap-up of all the news from Celebration, but I will do individual episodes for Episode 9, The Mandalorian, and Resistance. That way, if you just want the information on any of those, that will be available, and you don't have to sit through uh, the entire wrap-up. I will be getting to a full review of LEGO Star Wars All-Stars, uh, my co-host Little Han will join me for that one. Uh, he, he wants to talk about uh, Roger and Grabala and all his favorites from that. So uh, we will be doing that as a kind of a sequel to the uh, From Trenches to Wrenches review. 
I will get to the Poe comic review um, sometime in the spring or summer. Um, and then I will also also have in mind, before The Mandalorian this fall, I'm going to go back and watch all the Clone Wars, all the Rebels episodes that had to do with Mandalorians and Mandalore, the planet, and kind of aggregate all that together and kind of do a, like a history of what we know about them, like a type episode. Uh, that way, try to get everybody up to speed uh, for that show uh, when it comes out. Uh, so that's kind of what I have in mind. May think of other episodes to do. Might pop in some book reviews. Which, by the way, um, I didn't do it last week, but you know, lately I'd uh, kind of gotten into uh, re uh, recommending books um, each week. Uh, I'm going to re. Uh, suggest re the Revenge of the Sith novelization. And I totally forgot to say who it's by, so let's look that up while I'm talking. I will say the audiobook is read by Jonathan Davis. And he, as far as the male um, readers, it's usually him or uh, Mark Thompson. Now, Mark does a great job with um, the ones he does. He did the Last Jedi and Force Awakens novelizations. Uh, he nails Thrawn, so he's done all of those books. Um, but Jonathan, he's really good at like the the really military movie, or, uh, well, the military movies or books. He did the Rogue One novelization. He did um, the first Battlefront, which was pure uh, war stuff. Um, he also did well he did the revenge of the sith and matthew stover is the author of revenge of the sith i thought that was for sure but i wanted to look it up while i was talking so i didn't steer you wrong <clears throat> but the revenge of the sith novelization by matthew stover yes it's legends um but it is just so good and as I say, Jonathan Davis reads it. Uh, he also read at least Claudia Gray's Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan story from the From a Certain Point of View New Hope 40th Anniversary book. He does a great job with the Jedi and these main Jedi characters from the prequel era. And he's going to be reading Master and Apprentice by Claudia Gray the Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan book. Um, so I'm very excited about that. It comes out in mid-April. Actually, the week after Celebration. So, if you want to get in the mood for that, now's the time to listen to Revenge of the Sith if you haven't already read it or listened. Uh, it's, it's just, it's probably the best novelization of any of the movies. Uh, just a great read, especially a great listen, because of Jonathan's delivery. But that's my recommendation for this week. Alright, let's move into No Escape Part 2 because there's a lot to talk about. As per usual, I'm going to go through the episode, talk about what I liked, uh, little little things I noticed. But there will be plenty of discussion about, you know, where we got to these points by throughout the season, what's ahead. Now, uh, to, to begin, No Escape Part 2 was a little different than usual because 
as far as uh, you know, cliffhangers two-parters go, they actually repeated the material from last week where they were witnesses to Hux's speech while the stormtroopers were watching the broadcast. So we see a bit of that again. We see the destruction of the Hosnian system, and we see a different reaction from Kaz. It's like the next moment after that when he's yelling no, and Tora pulls him back. Um, you know, it helped the episode to stand on its own. Um, it wasn't just immediately moving on to the next scene. So you know, if you for some reason didn't happen to see last week, you knew where we were starting, what emotional pain he was going through. And, I mean, it's just, it was just a tremendous scene. I talked about it last week. Um, what they did to pull off uh, what we'd already seen in the movies was... Uh, it, it was even more terrifying and more emotional. You know, at least this time we, we know someone whose home that is, and that made it that much worse. And so, you know, we see more reaction from Kaz. But what I really liked about it this time was that we got more of Tora's reaction to it. Uh, you know, we just saw her reactions last time. We didn't really, you know, see how she felt about it. But it was good to see her being sympathetic and telling Cass she was sorry. Um, you know, because as far as we know, this isn't something that Tora has witnessed. You know, just, you know... I'll get to it in a little bit. You know, how long has she lived on the station? Has she, has she lived this sheltered life where she doesn't know about like galactic conflict and um, you know what it can do? And Kaz, I mean, he has never seen destruction on this scale, but you know, he's been in the Republic Navy. He knows what it's like to for life and death situations. So it was good to see Tor's reaction when we didn't get as much last week. Um, so, you know, but, you know, Kaz realizes they have to complete what they're doing, and, um, so she and Tori go off to rescue Yeager and Captain Doza. Uh, the rescue scene was good. It was, you know, obviously the stormtroopers were still preoccupied, so it wasn't hard, but, um, you know, they got reunited quickly and told them the plan to raise, uh, the Colossus. Um, that uh, this is all from last week. I mean, you, you, if you're listening to this, you've already watched it. Um, so you know they had enough recap, but they were moving on with the plot fast enough. And uh, you know, Yeager's Doza's uh, line about this station hasn't been mobile in 20 years. So that you know that sets the timeline. So it's about 10 years after um, the Battle of Endor when this station is put in. Which is interesting because at first, since it's an imperial installation, and, and they established that way back when, you figured it was there during the Civil War before that. But so that means that it's only been on Castellan maybe for 20 years. Um, you know why? That that's a lot of questions right there. Why did the Empire put it there? What were they looking for? Was it to salvage old ships? that we've seen throughout the season. Has Doza been the captain or in charge of it the whole time? You know, how did he come about it? You know, Tora is about 15, so that means was she born there? Has she lived there her whole life? Uh, these are good questions I hope we find out in either in future seasons or just any sort of background um, material. 
Um, so they came up with a plan to uh, get the stormtroopers in there. And, you know, I like Kaz's. You know, don't move. Well, move enough to give them your blasters. And I love that shot where Yeager and Doza now have the blasters and they're going to stun the stormtroopers. And Tor's in the middle of them just says, have fun. Uh, she's a little cold-blooded. It's pretty funny. Um, yeah, I mean, I'll get to all the great performances, but yeah, Myrna Velasco had a lot of fun with this episode, and you could tell. Um, yeah, you know, I'll get into, you know, characters that have developed well over the season, and ones that have, you know, I've enjoyed more later in the season than I did at first, but... Tora, appropriately so, has stayed the same. She is bold and fiery and playful. But, you know, she has stayed that way. And, I mean, that's that's her character, and you know, she should stay that way. Uh, and Myrna, you know, whenever Tora has been on the show, has uh, just brought that same playfulness and bravery uh, each time and has been very consistent with it. So, you know, while some characters needed to grow and such, uh, you know, Tor was an example of one that didn't need to. She's stayed the same and it's been fun. And then, you know, they, uh, this fast-paced episode, um, you know, they move into the uh, how do we get rid of the First Order, specifically the Stormtroopers, so then Niku realizes if they're going to raise the station, they have to flush out all the water that was that had flooded in. So they literally flush out the First Order. Um, and that, that was, you know, not something I really saw coming, but it was pretty clever. And it makes for some great visuals, which I'll get to. Um, yeah. And it wasn't anything to do with Myrna's performance, because it was all animated, but... Tora's reaction anytime Niku said or did something crazy in this episode was really funny. Um, yeah, when Niku's trying to get a hold of Kaz on the comm and Tora's just like puts her hand on her head and turns around. She did the same thing later in the episode and it was nice, consistent reaction from her that I liked. You know, just very subtle and background thing, but you know, they, they showed it well. And then and Niku's another example of somebody who stayed consistent throughout the season, but for the right reasons. And Josh Brenner, uh, just so steady with the deadpan delivery and, you know, sh uh, Niku showing emotion when he needs to. But, you know, the perfect example of that is the, the now. You know, do it now? No, now, not now. Uh, you know, it's almost like the Spaceballs gag. Uh, you know, you're looking at now. When will now be then? Um, you know, that whole thing, but... Yeah, yeah, Niku hasn't changed. He's, like, trying to figure out literally what, what Kaz meant by now. And and that's that really worked. You know, I've mentioned on the show, I haven't always been a fan of Niku because I didn't like the whole... You know, he takes something literally and it causes trouble or gets him into a scrape with other people, you know, convention that he would do. But, you know, stuff like this really hit the mark, and I thought it was great. 
So as they're flushing out the first order, uh, credit to the animators for the water effects. I mean, the, the water effects have been great all season, depending on what's been going on, but, you know, we got the new thing of water flooding through the, the corridors and catching the stormtroopers and, and then being shot back out into the ocean. Uh, it, it just looked really beautiful and, you know, made sense for the style of animation. And they went a little dark here because, if you notice, those stormtroopers get eaten by the fish. Um, which, as Buckets List pointed out, was an allusion to, like, the f this first episode that um, there are things out there that could eat you whole. Uh, so, yeah, like, later on we see, like, a stormtrooper helmet in one of theirs mouths. Um, yeah, I mean, we didn't see much true killing on the show, but the stormtroopers, you know, had their... Um, had their gruesome ends in some cases. Um, yeah, I mean, like I say, fast pace. I'm just moving along. I'll have plenty of discussion later. Now, so Pyre and Tierney make the decision. They're, they're losing the station, so they need to go get reinforcements. But they're going to leave. And they're going to take Tam with her. And then as they're leaving. Doza and Yeager uh, get back into the, well, what was Doza's office, turns out it's the bridge. Um, and then this starts out what I, I really didn't see coming. Um, and I mentioned it on my brief Instant Reaction podcast. I figured that, you know, Tam would go with uh, the first order for whatever reason but that she would be loaded on the ship and they would take off before Kaz or Yeager or anybody else could get to the landing platform or ramp or whatever and so it'd be very much like you know like the Empire Strikes Back when Boba Fett escaped from Bespin or um, or later on in the movie when the Falcon escapes it's always to get on the ship and take off before anybody can get to them. I thought it would be more like that for this. And then we would jump right into the... Um, the action of the final battle, which we would, which we knew was going to come. But no, we get this amazing dramatic scene with Kaz and Yeager trying to talk Tora out of it. And the whole thing about, you know, whose point of view are you believing? Um, so credit to Brandon Allman. He, he wrote both parts of this season finale. He just delivered and then all the voice actors portrayed a very dramatic, tense moment where you can see both sides. You know, Tam was lied to all season and she didn't get what she was promised. But you know, Kaz and Yeager have experience with these type of people. They know she's being manipulated. But it all comes down to point of view. And, I mean, yeah, I just was, yeah, like I say, I was just totally not expecting this tense of a scene. And, 
you know, as the stormtroopers are, you know, they've got Kaz and Tor and CB-23 surrounded, and they're behind Yeager. And if you notice, um, I didn't catch it on the first watch, but I, I've seen this episode plenty of times now. Um, but, you know, I noticed Tyranny, you know, had her double blasters drawn. the First Order knew they were manipulating her and they wanted to get her aboard. You know, what their, <clears throat> what their true interest is in her, we don't know yet. Maybe, you know, Tyranny just saw the opportunity to turn somebody. You, yeah, I don't know, she's used her as a bargaining chip. You know, because you know, she must have realized that, you know, if they, if it wasn't for Tam being there, that Yeager and Kaz or anybody else may have come in with, you know, guns blazing trying to take back over the station so yeah they I mean they are, they are using her they are manipulating her we know that but everything that Tam believes is true from a certain point of view and you know it's well established that I thought that Tam would turn out to be the first order spy on the station who we don't yet know who that is that has not been revealed. But, I mean, this goes back to the second episode because of just things Tam would say and about, you know, has she, uh, you know her state of mind about, you know, security on the station and stuff like that, and it just built and built, and I, I became more convinced that she was the First Order spy. But it turns out that, Yes, I mean, she was sympathetic to them, but not necessarily the spy, but her paranoia and distrust and that sympathetic feeling just boiled and boiled and boiled to the point where she made this choice. And, I mean, Christopher Sean and uh, Scott Lawrence did a great job in the scene, but this is just the culmination for Susie McGrath. Like this is where character development and character growth really shined. You know, she was just, uh, you know, at kind of a just there character at the beginning. You know, had her frustrations about, oh, this new mechanic. What, what's he doing here? Why are you letting him fly the fireball? But she just kept building the character and having more layers to her and it got to this point where it just boiled over and she's like no you lied to me I I, I need to go with them and Susie j just had an amazing episode I mean I could go on and on about how impressed I was uh, with everything here but it, w it was very well like Palpatine said uh, the scene was a surprise but a welcome one And also, something I didn't expect was that this is when the raising of the station starts. And of course, notice the First Order already knew that, because Tyranny was like, oh, they're raising, you know, they're getting ready to take off. And then Tam, she didn't know, she's like, this is a ship. So it goes back to, you know, what was the First Order's true purpose, uh, you know, what, what do they want the classes for? You know, you thought, well, you know, keep it out of resistance hands, 
use it for refueling in this sector, but if it's mobile, then, you know, what do they really want it for? So, a lot of questions that, you know, we'll see in Season 2. I've got to mention, I did love, um, well, no, my son, little Han, it, that was one of his favorite scenes, was when Kaz was having the standoff with Pyre right here, and Kaz called him Goldie. Uh, you know, he's like, why did he call him Goldie? I said, well, he's trying to stand up and be tough to him, and you know, sometimes you call people names like that. So he he got a kick out of that. Um, again, um, so when they actually have to start having the firefight and uh, stormtroopers start getting killed, um, yeah, Tyranny was just going going all full blast with uh, her double blasters. She. In her very little screen time, the last few episodes, um, she has become quite the badass. And cannot wait to see more of her next season. Um, so, they do escape. Uh, the shuttle takes off. And the Colossus is in the air. Uh, the TIE Fighters start attacking, so then you know we get the... Uh, Aces being freed by uh, Doza. <laughs> I did think it was funny that uh, on Bucket's List they said they took out a uh, line of dialogue that about that, so you notice Griff and Freya were in the same cell, um, but that Griff would have just spent the whole time doing pull-ups or whatever, just working out to occup occupy himself. and She would have made the remark, uh, like, you could have been... St about time I've been stuck in here with him for three days. Um, so anyway, um, Doza, you know, tells the Aces they're needed you know, to go to to go to the hangar, which is where they kept all the ships apparently, except for, like, well, I guess with Hype off the station, they didn't need to worry about moving his. But yeah, they moved all those ships uh, to that one hangar so that we could have the the full launch. Um, but you know the uh, the really cool shot of the TIE fighters as they open the hangar doors uh, staring down at Kaz and Yeager and Tora and is the, is the recurring theme all season about Kaz can't shoot well that that's his solution is just shoot at the TIE fighter and for a moment he thinks he did it but you know it's uh, the first order transport so you know, we, we heard earlier in the episode that Aunt Z was responding to the distress call, but so we get Hype and Aunt Z showing up and taking out the ties right there. Um, a, I was a little surprised they went ahead and brought them back for this season. I figured that would be like a mystery uh, as far as what happened to them or, you know, what adventures they got into before they reunited. But I also understand it because you know, you got to think about it from a kid's perspective. Um, there'd probably be too many questions like, well, are they coming back? What happened to them? You know, w will they know where to go? If, you know, if the Colossus is gone from Castellan, you know, they'll get they'll come back and find it gone. So, I mean, you know, it answers, you know, it made sense to my son um, that they would come back and help. You know, just given the timeline, I half expected Moz to be on the ship with them. Uh, 
but you know obviously they, they didn't go there but there's still a chance for that so you know there, there's questions there maybe they'll answer later so did they make it to Takodana how long were they there were they privy or involved in the battle uh, that we saw in the Force Awakens you know were they able to help Maz that's things I'd like to know so we'll see at some point I'm sure Um, so then we, we get, well, I don't know what to call it yet, but, you know, the Aces plus Kaz and Yeager, um, they're all loading up. And if you'll notice, um, maybe I just didn't notice it earlier in the season, but, um, Michael Tavera made what sounded like, like a new theme for the Aces, a new theme for the Squadron, um. You know, just that hyped up, uh, almost military type music. Um, it's very high flying, I guess you could say. So maybe that's the new squad theme, which would be really cool. Maybe we'll hear more of that next season. Um, and so they're all flying out, and then we get the incredible cool shot where they get into a circle formation, and they're flying up over the Colossus, which is in in the air now. Um, now, I do wonder, you know, okay, surely the aces, you know, work, in, work together enough to do formations, but I thought, well, at least Kaz and Yeager could join in, and it made sense. But no, I mean, who cares? It was a really awesome shot. And I, I don't know what their inspiration was. I know Robotech is a um, major influence on the show. I've never watched it personally. I, I should, um, but I'm thinking maybe that was something they did on Robotech, where they had formations like that when they're starting a battle. Um, it felt like old school Volt Voltron to me, uh, like with the lions. I don't know if that's what they were going for. Um, if any of you ever saw the '80s show Silverhawks, kind of looked like that. But like I say, just awesome shot. Probably one of the best shots of the season. Um, and then, it, but it started off like the, you know, I don't know if it's fair to call it like the Battle of Castellon, but just this massive dogfight, which was so cool. Um, so I do like that it wasn't in like perfect sunlit, clear skies. The the clouds really, you know, gave nice depth depth to the. Uh, to the scene um, that way they could fly in and out of them and you know reveal some stuff um, you know we got Doza in action he made it back to the um, I'm going to call it the bridge now uh, his office uh, the bridge uh, got the turrets working you know which we know about from previous episodes like Sonora Score um, so it's nice to see those in use again uh, fighting off the ties. Uh, Von Reg, you know, we saw him last episode on patrol, so we knew he was nearby, so you know, it makes sense for him to be in the final battle. And then, I mean, I, I didn't make too many detailed notes about the, the dogfight, but I mean, every, everybody had their moment, um, even if it was just getting chased and having Sleemos on their tail. You know, Kaz did get to save Griff a second time. Uh, remember, he also saved him in Bebo. Um, 
But I mean, it, this is what it you know it all built to with you know having a, very much a ragtag group of fighters against the First Order, where it's you know just the onslaught of Tie fighters, and that's why I hope. I mean, I don't know if it will happen or not, but if there is that major space battle in Episode Nine, if the Colossus and all uh, the Aces or whatever the squadron is, you know, if they participate, you'll get all these individual ships. Uh, uh, that's what's cool about it. They're all they all have their own look. You know, they're easily identifiable. It's not just your standard X-wing versus Tie fighter type battle. And that's why it was easy to tell, you know, everybody had their moment of shooting down a tie or, or whatever. Um, I mean, it, the whole thing was beautiful, but, you know, you get the shot of Yeager chasing the TIE fighter vertically up past the Colossus, and then he shoots it and he keeps going up. Uh, and you get the other, uh, other camera angle of it, so to say. Um, and just the you know, the whole fact that the Colossus is fully in the air and this is where the battle's taking place was a really pleasant surprise. And I mentioned this on the Instant Reaction. Just from the mid-season trailer, they didn't they didn't really give that away when they were showing scenes from this battle because you thought, well, um, you know, we knew about the sinking of the Colossus, but you figured, well, it was raised back to regular level and this entire battle took place at, at that at sea level. Well, no. And in fact, you know, it's taking place in the air with, around the Colossus, and it just incredible. And then the pirates join in, and you know we got the the hint about it um, during the descent uh, that. You know, they got the distress call from Kaz, so Sonara knew about it. So, I mean, you figured they would come back to help out uh, in some way or another uh, for the final battle. Um, you know, and we see... I'll jump ahead. We, we You know, we see Kragen with the pirates at the end of the episode. So, the, you know, the question is, you know, was it... Um, you know, has there been a mutiny? Is he still in charge? Did Sonara just convince him to help? Did she put him out of authority as the captain? You know, there's a lot of questions there. I mean, she was clearly in control here. But maybe they were just allowing her to fulfill a favor to Kaz. Who knows? There'll be plenty to come with the pirates, so I, th I think we'll find out some answers. Um... Now, I will say, you know, the one thing I thought we would get that we did not was Bebo and her mom. Uh, you know, I really thought, uh, you know, like I say, Bebo is my son's favorite episode of the season. He, he just loved, you know, everything about it. But, you know, I thought it was an important episode because they were uh, doing a lot of foreshadowing and setting up, you know, very much like with the Purgles in, in Rebels, that it would be... Um, you know, when, again, when I thought the Colossus battle would be at sea level, that um, Bebo and her mom would show up to help fight off the First Order. I could 
easily have seen Bebo's mom swatting ties out of the air with her tentacles. Um, but again, that didn't happen. You know, they're, you know, they stayed behind on Castellan. So, but you know, we we didn't get Bebo, but you know, everything else was just awesome. You know, this is about the time the Star Destroyer shows up and starts blasting at the Colossus to try to keep it from jumping. Um, you know, we, you would assume that Pyre and Tyranny are on that Star Destroyer, but we never saw that. Um, and so then Kaz realizes this is a good time to get out of here. And then, you know, something totally unexpected. Uh, yes, the Aces go ahead and start docking on the ship, but the entire Galleon, the, the huge pirate ship, docks too. You know, I, I didn't see that coming at all. I thought, you know, they were setting it up well enough for a few episodes. You knew that the pirates and Sonara would help defend the station from the First Order. But, I, yeah, I did not see it coming that they would go with them. Um, especially to take the entire ship. Um, but, you know, still a really cool effect. So everybody's getting back on the ship, getting ready. Um, but... You know, Yeager's in trouble. Uh, Von Reg's on his tail. You know, we saw this in the mid-season trailer. And, you know, and I think I said it before, I'll, I'll be honest, I thought this was where Yeager was going to die. I thought that that he would be killed off so that, you know, you'd... Well, I'll, you know, originally when I thought this, I didn't know that the Hosnian Prime stuff would happen in the same episode, pretty much, to where... You know, I thought Kaz would, like, lose his mentor, the father figure type here. But, thankfully it didn't happen, because I'm <laughs> glad we got more of Yeager. I mean, he, he's been my favorite character the whole time, and, you know, I've talked about how much I love Scott Lawrence in his performance. Um, so, you know, Yeager being in trouble here is the chance for Kaz to show how good of a pilot is, how much he's gotten better. And the, the really cool effect of him flying through the Colossus to, to kind of take a shortcut. And he takes out Von Reg. Um, you know, it was sad to see Von Reg go because, and I, you know, I mentioned it before, you know, we, little Han and I got to meet uh, Lex Lang. Great guy. Um, you know, you could tell he was excited about being on the show. And, you know, I, I told him that day, I said, well, I don't know if you make it to season two, but congratulations on, on season two. And, you know, he didn't, he didn't show any, he didn't tell anything. He didn't, like, show his hand or anything. Um, but, yeah, it's, I'm, I'm glad we got to meet him while he was still on the show. Um, and, and, as he mentioned, he's played, done the voice of um, Stormtroopers, so maybe he might still be around. Um... But, I mean, you know, it's sad to see Von Reg go as a character, but, I mean, it made sense. And the producers have said as much in interviews. It bookended the season well that, you know, Kaz uh, went up against Von Reg in the first episode and barely escaped. Um, but this shows his growth and that he was able to take him out directly. And, you know, Yes, Von Reg was the first big bat of the season in the, the Red Baron, but Pyre had grown into an even bigger bat 
and he's the one in charge. He's the one who's more menacing at this point. And we've got Tierney. So it made sense to dispatch a Von Rag and bring that to a conclusion. Um, so we get... You know, you know, I did like how rough the landings were for the aces that and for Kaz and Heger. I mean, they were just trying to get back on the Colossus. Um, didn't really have... You know, obviously they don't have wheels, so they can't, you know, fly in and land like, you know, aircraft on Earth, like with an aircraft carrier. So just a cool effect of them just trying to get back in the hangar in time. Um, and then, you know, the whole time... Uh, what's his name? <laughs> Niku, that's him. You know, I mean, he's stayed in you know, the engineering controls room down below the whole time with uh, the children in Bucket and the Chelidae. Um You know, but he, he got them, he got the ship airborne, he got them into hyperspace. Even though Kaz had given him the coordinates, it turns out he didn't have long enough to input everything. Um, but, I mean, just the beautiful shot of seeing them jumping into hyperspace from the hangar. Uh, get, they get away from the Star Destroyer, live to fight another day. Um, you know, I love the shot of Doza in his office slash bridge. You just breathe a sigh, sigh of relief, smiling. You know, when was the last time he saw that? That the hyperspace tunnel? You know, how long has he been there? Um... And that's another thing. I, you know, I, I've said it multiple times on the show. I thought Doza was a being built up as a disposable character. That you know he was he was just there for the first order to overrun, and I, I thought they would kill him. I really did. I thought oh they'd get him out of the way so they can take full control of the station. It would be up to Kaz and the others to take it back. But no, they kept. Doza, in the last few episodes, when he started to stand up to the First Order and, you know, be along with the plan, um, yeah, that's when I just latched onto this character, and he was so badass in the whole finale, uh, just doing what he needed to to save the station. And I love Jason Hightower's performance. He's, yeah, he's made Doza one of my favorite characters. Um, so kudos, kudos to Jason for that. Um, so it was just nice to see Doza have his moment of relief. The cat's going crazy for some reason. I, so I, I did not give you catnip, dude. Anyway, I'm not editing that out. I'm, I made a good point. <laughs> um, and, and again, I mentioned it with after the descent and in No Escape Part One, one of the cool things they did was with this, you know, one location they've had all season. They made it, the view look different. You know, after you know a whole season of looking out the window and seeing you know sky and ocean. You know, last episode it was underwater, so it was a totally different view, different lighting in all the rooms. 
And in this episode, we get Dose's office, which we've seen since episode four. But now we're in, it's in the hyperspace tunnel, and you get the modeled modeled space. So it looked beautiful. It's great to see that room in that situation. Uh, and then we get, you know, the reaction shot from the pirates. As I mentioned, Kragen's there, but he's just standing there, and it's like, all right, all right, we did this. Um, you know, the pirates are happy, and Sonara is satisfied. So we'll see what happens with them. Um, <laughs> we get hype and not Z. And yeah, I, I was was anybody else thinking of Ruby Rod in the Fifth Element, like when they were at the end of the movie when they were um, trying to defeat evil and you know people are celebrating and he's just screaming because he's he's over it. Um, yeah, Donald Faison gave me that vibe uh, when uh, Hype was having his reaction as he giving him a hug. Uh, so we're in the hangar. Um, Kaz, you know, tells everybody that they're going to Dakar, which, nice to have the name of the show on the, uh, my show, on their show. Now, I mean, you know, I, I named it this show after that because, yeah, well, yes, it was the home of the resistance, um, but just the you know, if, if, if you think on Dakar, you know, they had all the satellite dishes and everything, so it made sense for it to be like a communications hub and, you know, a perfect place to send a radio broadcast. But, you know, after naming my show that, it was cool to have it mentioned on, on a, a Star Wars show. They never named the planet in the movies, if you remember. It was always the, the Ilenium system. They never named it Dakar. So... That makes Niku the first one to say it on air. Um, but they're not going to Dakar because, you know, Kes or um, Niku didn't have time to put in all the coordinates, so who knows where they're going. Um, oh, as, a, and as an aside, I did like that Niku kept with the Blowfish 1 moniker for Kaz, which has me thinking that's going to be the name of their squadron. They're going to be Blowfish Squadron. Um, so, I don't know, <laughs> but that, that would be cool if that was what it turned out to be. Um, so anyway, uh, we're at the end of the season, who knows where the destination is, um, and as Cass said, we're together, most of us, and we get that great group shot of them watching the hyperspace journey. But it made me think a lot of the very ending of The Last Jedi, the we-have-everything-we-need moment. Where that, it's just everybody in that room, but that's the resistance. And so is this, everybody in that hangar. And if you've played Battlefront, Zay and Shriv, uh, on Freemakers, it's Moxie and Kapow and Roger. Yeah, they do have everything they need. It's these groups of the resistance. And hopefully that all comes together in episode 9. We'll see. But, you know, they made it. The Colossus escaped. 
they're all together, mostly. And that's the end of the season. And just what an amazing way to end it. Uh, I mean, I could go on and on about how awesome the dogfight was and the whole escape sequence. Um, but it was a satisfying conclusion to the season. You know, we've gotten to know these characters so much. And there's so much to find out next season. Like, does Opeepit get his floor scrubber back? I can't believe they didn't resolve that. Now nah, it's okay. Um, but yeah, please, in the first couple of episodes of season two, you've got to show us what happened to the floor scrubber. He's got, uh, Stanley's got to get his mop back. Um, but, they, they, you know, there's... Yeah, it was satisfying, but there's plenty of stuff to resolve for season two. And I'll get to that, because they've already done a um, couple of interviews where they were explaining some stuff. But, um... I'll, I'll have more to say on the season review, but... It was, it was just a great way to end it. Um, yeah. Uh, I'll just keep repeating myself if I don't go, keep going. Alright, let, let's get to the interviews they did. Um, Justin Ridge, uh, one of the executive producers, uh, did an interview, interview with io9 and I'll just hit some of the important things he said um, um, he says they do know if and when the crew d gets to Dakar so that means that at some point you know if they do make it you know is it before or after the Battle of Dakar which we saw at the beginning of The Last Jedi you know will they arrive like during the battle and they see it from the distance or do they get there afterwards and they see you know the wreckage of all the destroyed ships and they see the ruins of this the destroyed base and they're like you know well let's hope the Leia and everyone survived we gotta go find them so maybe they're always a step behind um, I don't I, you know I don't know if that's the way they're going or um, so anyway, it looks like that will be addressed. Um, Justin also said they'll address how the citizens of the Colossus, citizens of the Colossus, yes, um, how they feel about leaving. Um, you know, and he said some they, they some of them need the Colossus to survive. You know, what about all those marketplace vendors? You know, they can't get fresh Spiegel or puffer pig bacon or whatever anymore you know how, how they're gonna make a living and you know what will flicks and orca do without salvaged ships being pulled up all the time yeah and you know it's a good point they, they didn't ask to be uprooted you know we, we didn't really see their reaction you know they're like all of a sudden they're like wait a minute this ship, it feels like the ship's flying where are we going so that will be a lot to address just like every day people, you know, I mean, their whole lives have been literally uprooted by this. Um, Justin said, uh, the First Order is coming towards them, and they're on the run. So, you know, they're not free and clear. Maybe they're being hyperspace tracked, because we know they can do that. Um, so the First Order will be a constant threat for them in Season 2. Uh, he said the aces will play a bigger part. Um, that was one of my disappointments of the first season, that as much as they were 
advertised uh, going into the series. Uh, I mean, they were very much background characters. You know, at first they were treated like, you know, high-in-the-sky type godlike athletes, but you know, it turns out we just didn't get that much development with them other than Torah and Hype. So, uh, you know, if they're more of the main group, uh, like, kind of merge with Team Fireball, that would be neat. And I think, you know, the way they all work together in that dogfight is just a hint of what's to come. Um, and then uh, he also said, we'll see how Kaz handles losing his family. You know, that still has to be addressed, you know, will Kaz have that moment where he breaks down and starts to think about what all he's lost. And, you know, I'm still not convinced that his dad's dead. You know, I, I buy the theory that the, his family, unbeknownst to him, was First Order conspirators and benefactors, and that maybe they were removed from the system before anything happened. And it goes back to the fact we never, we heard his father, but we never saw his father. So will it be a situation where this new character is introduced in season two and we see him but we don't know who he is and then Kaz sees this person and says father then we find out it's Senator Ziono and then you know and then he speaks um, we'll see but it uh, looks like they're wh whether or not his father did perish it looks like you know Kaz is gonna have to deal with that um, also, all the executive producers were interviewed by Entertainment Weekly. Um, Justin Ridge uh, made a good point there. He said, you know, Tam doesn't know about Hosnian Prime at the time she made her decision. Um, so she doesn't know that the First Order just wiped out the New Republic and killed all these people. Now, she does know about the, you know, the First Order wiping out the people of Tahar because the children, you know, Kel and Ayla told her about that. So she does have a hint of what the First Order can do maliciously, but, you know, that, that was outweighed by, you know, their sympathy towards her. But, you know, once she finds out about Hosnian Prime and the state of the galaxy, will that change her perspective while she's with them? So, you know, that, that's a good question for season two. Um, Justin also pointed out, um, you know, the Colossus was badly damaged in that fight with the Star Destroyer, so, um, you know, the, the effects of that will be seen, maybe that means, uh, they'll have to stay grounded for a while, pick a planet and stay there, um, or just, you know, get stranded in the middle of space while they're repairing, there's a lot of possibilities there, and then, uh, Brandon Allman, he pointed out that the pirates will um, kind of mess up the living conditions of the Colossus. You know, you know how how are people going to feel about these pirates being here when just you know months before they were attacking the station all the time at the behest of the First Order? And I mean, how's Doza going to feel? You know, it's like uh, you kidnapped my daughter. Now you're here. You know, get off my ship, kind of a thing. Um, uh, who knows? So there will be that tension there, and also, you know, how much, you know, 
Obviously, Sonara will be sympathetic, but, you know, how does Kraken feel? What about the other me pirate members? There's going to be a lot of conflict in Season 2, obviously, because of the Colossus being mobile. So, they presented themselves a lot of good opportunities. You know, no idea where they're going first. You know, will it be a planet we've already seen or know about? Will it be a brand new planet that they can, you know fully explore sandbox style um, and just a lot of possibilities um, you know I'm sure we'll find out more at uh, Celebration I, again like I say I'll do a, a full recap of that uh, for a podcast episode um, but I, th I think I've talked long enough uh, obviously a lot to talk about when it's the season finale and they wrapped up so much um but again, thank you to all the cast and crew for just a great experience this season. I've enjoyed talking about it week week by week. Um, you know, just kind of growing with these characters and seeing... It's been, it's been great seeing the enthusiasm for the show increasing more on social media. Because at first, you know, it was me and, you know, a few others obviously talking a lot about it, but you've just seen, especially the second half of the season, you've seen more people enjoying it, more people talking about it, and th the excitement level is obviously there, so can't wait to see what the situation we're in when the season premiere rolls around in October. Uh, but that will do it for me. Um, as I say, the um, season review will be up uh, within about a week or so with me and Jonah Marie. Um, please send in, just tweet tweet me your favorite line from the season. I'll put that on Twitter as well. Um, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram, Facebook, at Radio Dakar, R-A-D-I-O-D-Q-A-R. Uh, all the episode reviews, uh, all my, my Rebels episode, uh, Lego Star Wars, uh, Queen Shadow Talk, uh, all that's on the Radio Dakar channel on iTunes and SoundCloud. Uh, but that will do it for me. Look forward to seeing you next time. Again, thank you to everyone for a great season of Resistance. Look forward to more. Until next time, may the Force be with you.